Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Spinning Back Click, Reach Week here at MMA Junkie. We take a spin through the biggest stories in MMA. On this week's docket, the welterweight palooza at UFC 296 kind of fell apart this weekend. We'll talk about that. Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa went Griffin Bonner on us. And Sean Strickland versus Drikas Duplessis scheduled to fight in January. They've already kicked things off. Gorgeous George here on the con and look at the distinguished panel we have for you today. Today. We got goes. From MMA Junkie Radio, he's here. Whoa, sorry, he's in Las Vegas. He's the creator of SBC. It's his fault. We tie up your Mondays. Uh, the MMA media titan is back as well. Mike Bond joins us from Toronto. Always has the strong takes. Danny Segura is in the house. He's down in Miami. Also the host of Hablemos MMA, for those of you that speak Spanish. Cold Coffee, future Emmy Award-winning producer, He's on the ones and twos today. We got seven great topics. It's a 90-minute show. Let's dig in. Leon Edwards defeated Colby Covington by unanimous decision. The fight wasn't the most exciting fight ever, but considering how emotional Edwards was during the pre-fight PC, Rocky was pretty dominant. He says he wants to enter GSP territory. That's nine title defenses for all you noobs. Uh, What's your expectation for Edwards now? After seeing he just bagged his second title defense, and may I add, two tough welterweights are in his rearview mirror now. Can he get there one day? Yay or nay? Mike, you got the first take. Man, it is going to be tough, I think. Just nine title defenses in this day and age is really tricky. And when you look at the welterweight division, uh, that's, of course, one of the deeper weight classes in the sport. We got guys on the rise who are looking really good. I mean, we'll, I'm sure talk about the likes of Shavkat Rachmanov. And then, you know, there's some other... Uh, notable players in this weight class as well on the rise and established. So if Leon gets there, that would be incredibly impressive. Uh, that would put him at like a over 20 fight UFC unbeaten streak, which would be a record in itself as well. So just fathoming that is a little bit difficult just because we've never seen anyone do it, putting together a run like that. But Leon's looking really good right now. I mean, he is in his prime form. I think he's what, 30, 31 um, so for him, like if he is going to put together a run like that, um, now would be the time to do so. And it makes me happy to at least hear him say that. I know coming in, he was talking about wanting to move up to middleweight if he won this fight, challenge the winner of Duplessis and Strickland. Uh, he didn't really say any of that in the aftermath of this fight, which was a little bit refreshing. Um, so it seems he is focused on 170 and trying to beat that record. So commendable on his end there. Um, as far as the performance, we'll talk a little bit more about that, especially on Colby's end. But I thought he did what he had to do, given all the stuff that was going on leading into this fight. Uh, he kept his head on very straight when it came to the boat itself. So impressive there. If he continues to kind of evolve and stay within himself, I think he he's capable of putting together a few more here. But 
this division is real tough. And of course, Shavkat Rachmanov uh, and Bilal Muhammad are two very difficult title defenses. Whatever order they may come in, I expect those to be his next two opponents. And right now, it feels tough to see him getting through both of those, depending on who it is. Yeah, just getting to the halfway point, I think we'll be we'll be able to take a, a a deep breath and then figure out if he can get there or not. Nine is so far away from two. Danny, what are your thoughts, man? Leon uh, looked pretty good considering the opponent wasn't offering much. Hell no. I mean, he did look good, but hell no, he's not going to reach GSP levels. And a lot of that is is out of his control. I'm not saying that he's not good enough, but if you look at GSP's record, he only needed two wins in the UFC to get his first title fight. And then after he lost to Matt Hughes, he only needed four more victories to whereas uh, Leon Edwards has been fighting for quite some time and he is champion now, but it took him 10 fights, a 10 fight unbeaten streak with one no contest in there, nine victories to get his shot at the title. So we're just in different times. Back then, it was a lot easier to win the belt and then go on these long streaks of title defenses because it was easy to get to the title. Nowadays, you, you got to work your ass off and pretty much almost clean out an entire division to, to get at the top. So um, I think if you would have put um, – because a lot of those fights may look like title defenses. If you would have given him a, um, a shot to Leon Edwards earlier on, maybe, maybe, because I do think he's very skilled. But at this point in time, um, given that he is 33 – given that, you know, Shafkat's around, given that Bilal's around and other top contenders are, are coming up as well, like Sean Brady and Ian uh, Machala Gary, I see a very, very tough for not only him, but anybody to get close to nine title defenses. Mm-hmm. All right. Goes, your thoughts? Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, what Danny said at the very end, that's my take. It, it really doesn't matter who it is. It's not anything against uh, Leon Edwards. It's pretty much anyone. Anybody in that position is going to have a very difficult time of trying to get to that many title divisions. That's just how stacked this division is. I think Leon took a huge step forward. I think he showed us a lot in that fight and uh, in the sense of keeping his emotions intact, the sticking to the game plan with Colby. I thought he was very, very impressive. I have nothing against Leon Edwards. It's just basically anybody in that spot. I mean, look, you got Bilal Muhammad waiting that's a tough matchup there. And then you have all these up-and-comers that we still aren't 100% sure where they're at, but we know that they're really, really tough. Take any of them. Put them in that spot. They're just not going to accumulate that many wins. It's just too much of a, a stacked uh, division. That being said, I think Leon Edwards can have the belt for a long time. I just think in between somewhere there, he could lose one, regain the belt again, but it can't be consecutive. It's just, it's just too much to ask for. That's in a lot of divisions in the UFC, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Excellent start. And I got a follow-up for you guys. I'm going to try and get, pin you guys down to a number of title defenses. And we'll equate that with some former greats. But let me talk to the chat real quick. You guys have a lot of energy. You guys are coming strong. Can you guys put a number of how many title defenses you guys think Leon Edwards would have? And I'll read some off. What the trade-off is, I need you guys to hit that like button. That helps us trigger this thing and build this thing and uh algorithms all that stuff so help us out there hit the subscribe because i'll stand by the content on mma junkies youtube page it is awesome all right do that for me and like i say i'll circle back so guys here's my follow-up to all to you guys if he's not going to match dsp was it, it doesn't think like doesn't seem like you guys think he will who is he more likely to match a matt hughes he had seven b kamaro uzman he had five c tyron woodley he had four 
or D, none of the above? Mike, we go back to you. I guess none of the above based on what I said before. Um, maybe you could say Woodley, which would be two more, but that means Bilal and Shavkat probably, or you know, maybe someone else in there. And I just said, I feel like he has a pretty hard time getting through both those. So I guess none of the above. You could convince me maybe Woodley, but who knows, right? Think crazy things happen. Someone gets injured. Someone else goes in there and you know, we have some unforeseen circumstances. But if we look at it, the contenders who should be fighting, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be either two, what it is now, or maybe he can stretch it to three or possibly four. But if he gets past four, um, then I actually like his chances of maybe getting to five, six, seven. But it seems like these next two in particular are going to be the most challenging ones for him. You're right, Mike, because once you get to that number, you might start lapping some guys and having rematches, right? And if we're going to say that he had a great fight against Colby Covington, the matchup was tailor-made for him. And as let's say what uh, Covington does come back, then now he's fighting a guy he already beat. That's what GSP did. He did a few of those, and he also had a few rematches along the way. So there, that might be an apex, and then he starts to go downhill a little. Yeah, and what he said, I think, after the fight, too, like he doesn't seem overly concerned about any one of these guys in particular. But one thing he is accurate on is they do present a lot of these contenders like similar stylistic challenges, right? Like guys who have a boxing and then are going to try to take him down. He's been able to handle that very well. Of course, with, uh, you know, this last fight and Kamaru Usman, you assume Bilal Muhammad would do something similar. Sean Brady would do something similar. Uh, Shavkat is the one that of course seems like the most dynamic guy. He can stand with Leon and more than hold his own. He could take him down as well. So that's the one that you kind of circle being like, who this guy would probably be the most dynamic challenger. And then if you look at the other guys, maybe like Ian Gary, if he's able to get there with the right wins and continue to build on his skill set, but the rest of them for the most part are just kind of wrestle boxers as he described them and he seems to have figured out how to defeat that style pretty well so uh, maybe we're underestimating leon a bit here mm -hmm. all right danny how about you man you saw the choices a b c d or you want me to go through them again or if you know them, go ahead man i'm gonna go none of the above i i can see him defending the title one more time it looks like uh, Bilal muhammad is next and and i hope that he gets the title shot because Bilal muhammad absolutely deserves the opportunity um, I think that's a very close fight. I think Bilal can win it. I think Bilal has a very good chance at dethroning the champion. But if I had to pick someone, I'm going with the champ. Then you add Shafkat Rachmanov to the mix. And at that point, Leonardo is probably going to be getting closer to 34 years old. Uh, Shafkat is prime. Shafkat looks like an absolute killer. If those two fight, I think I slightly favor Shafkat. Along the way, he's going to have to take an L, I think, either by Bilal or by Shafkat. I just see, and not just specifically to Leon Edwards, I just have a hard time seeing anybody going back-to-back -back fights against Bilal Muhammad and Shafkat Rachmanov and winning them. It's just a tough thing to do. Yeah, and to be clear, Matt Hughes did it by winning five and then two when he sorry two when he reclaimed. So there's a possibility he could do it over time. He's only 32 years old. Mm -hmm. um, look, in, in one year he might have five if he de if he defends three times in 2023. Sometimes fighters do that type of run. Who knows? Goes. What do you think? He's 32. My bad. Correction, because I had said earlier he was 33. Yeah, I, I think he's got to keep him relatively close. He's got to be very, very active because father time is going to catch up. And at this high level, it's going to be really difficult. I guess I do have to say none of the above. However, if he does kind of get through the next two, I think he has the potential of maybe getting to four or five. Mm -hmm. So Man, I, I hope beyond. George, ahead, to go off that note, I know it's not on our rundown, but like, who who do we think is going to be next? Is it going to be Bilal or Shavkat? Uh, and what did we think of 
you know, Leon's comments about Bilal at the press conference, basically saying that he hasn't done enough and, you know, he's not interested in doing that rematch next, which I think was kind of perplexing. I mean, at least to me, if he wants to say after that pretty dull fight with Colby that maybe fighting Bilal isn't the best fight for the interest of the entertainment of the fans, I could get on board a little more with that argument. But if you're trying to dismiss the merit and being like, hey, I did a 10 fight unbeaten streak before I got my title shot. What makes him more privileged? Well, he's at a 10 fight unbeaten streak. He's at literally yeah. the exact position you were when you got your title shot. So not trying to you know, crap <laughs> on Leon here or anything, but that logic there made zero sense to me. I don't know what, how you guys felt. Yeah, 100%. And uh, something that I, I wish would have been asked was like, they ask him about Bilal. He's like, nah, he doesn't deserve it. They ask him about Shafka. Oh, he looks all right. Then if that, it's not those two, because I can see him going, okay, no, it's Shafka, Shafka. And I think if Shafka were to get a title shot, we would all be bummed for Bilal. And I think, you know, it'd be a criminal thing. It'd be an but injustice. Shafka at this point in time, also deserves a title opportunity, right? Like you can have multiple people deserving of a shot. Uh, we wouldn't feel cheated of a rightful contender if uh, Shafka were to fight for the belt. But if it's not, either of those two guys, then who are we looking at, right? Like, um, Bilal has Ian to Gary, Ian Gary's been booked, so it can't even be him. And he's another undefeated much fighter. every welterweight is booked right now after that 299 card. So I'm not really yeah. sure what he's what he's targeting there. Yeah, I wish we would have got some sort of an answer. It's got to be Bilal Muhammad. I mean, he was he's already got the streak to back it up. They have a little bit of that history with the first fight, the way it went down or whatever. Then he was promised a shot when he stepped in on late notice and beat Gilbert Burns. He steps in as the alternate. I mean, how many boxes do you have to tick for Rocky to not get excited for it? It kind of hurts himself because it's at some point in time, you just got to turn the corner and start selling pay-per-views. So if you didn't have something when they asked you about Bilal, but so-and-so pissed me off or whatever, then what are you doing here? You know what I mean? I thought he misplayed his hand there. Goes, you want to chime in? Yeah, I mean, Chefcat can make sense, but it doesn't make more sense than right. Bilal. Bilal Muhammad is just very clear. Like you said, George, every box is ticked. We got to mm -hmm. do it. And Bilal Muhammad, like starting, starting Saturday night, he needs to start talking and not shut up. He cannot take his foot off. I think he'll have a problem with that. Yeah, he's got to keep it up, dude, because – Fans are fickle, man, and you just never know. But that this is his spot. It would it would be a complete injustice not to give him the mm -hmm. shot. We'll, we'll get into antics and stuff, guys. But would it have been cheesy for him to at least approach the cage? You know, you know the security were going to come and hold him back. But I mean, even Bilal from his side, he could have done something. I guess just to. Like, get this thing going, you know what I mean? Spark it a, a little bit. I think he did his best, like, you know, doing an interview with Megan O'Leary backstage. He went up on the desk. Um, I think it would have maybe soured a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people are sour on Bilal as it is, but that was such an emotional win for Leon. His interview in the cage with Rogan, uh, he opened up a lot. Uh, I think it would have, I don't know, taken a little bit away from the moment if you bring Bilal in there to do a face-off and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the right thing, but he did his stuff, firing off all the tweets, doing the post show, all that. I think he did the best he could in the moment. And given how this week went, um, I'm not surprised the UFC did not want to let anyone in the cage for a face off on this particular night. That's true. Benny in the chat says Leon needs to start saying things to make him interesting. Maybe call out his next opponent is pretty much echoing what we're saying here. We're very in agreement here. Uh, Gordon Riley in the chat says, not the most destructive Leon. However, he worked to his strengths and got the W for his fellow Englishmen and women. Very proud of this guy. Nice. All right. Chad Cuba says, if Colby saying what he did about his dad didn't make him go for the kill, 
Nothing will. Leon is too boring. Chad Cuba uh, repeats it. Leon is boring. No personality either. He's going in on the guy. You guys, uh, is that fair? What Was he a little dry or what, what do you guys think? Yeah, he's not the most charismatic guy. And he also doesn't have the most exciting style. Although I would say that uh, there's a ton more fighters that uh, do not have uh, or or have a, a, a more boring style than he does. I don't think uh, Leon Edwards style is particularly boring, but I don't think it's overly exciting either. Uh, it's very measured, uh, very tactical. So I can definitely see why fans don't like him, um, especially in this day and age where people like Colby Covington get a lot of attention, like Sean Strickland. Um, you know, if you put him next to those guys, you know, he, he, he looks pretty plain to me, but, um, but I, I like Leon. I like the way he fights. Uh, to be honest, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't find this UFC 296 main event that boring like I, I again wasn't aldana rosa but um i don't know I, I was i was tuning in all the time i wasn't dozing off at, at any point yeah i was i was compelled at least like just i mean more so who we'll talk about next like the colby style like i was like is this guy ever gonna do anything it was riveting from like that side of course it wasn't the most thrilling thing there wasn't any knockdowns or any significant like moments of of drama in that regard but this is leon edwards man i mean the i think uh the knockout of Kamaru Usman kind of sent people off the scent of Leon Edwards a little bit in his style, but this is who he's been, man. I think 19 or nine of his 14 UFC wins are by decision. Mm -hmm. He is not a, um, you know, miraculous finisher or dangerous finisher uh, constantly out there. I mean, he landed that insane knockout, but that is more of an outlier as far as like his fights, as opposed to what we see consistently from him. So um, this is, this is how it is, man. But it isn't a far cry from the welterweight champions we've had in the past, right? Like GSP got his criticism. Tyron Woodley got his criticism. Kamaru Usman got his criticism. It just seems like to maybe be the top dog in this weight class, you need to, in some moments, have a bit of a risk-averse style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skyrider in the chat says, people who say Leon is boring are casuals. Corey Dees. Uh, glad I didn't fall for that one. Uh, calling, <laughs> calling Leon boring in that fight is hilarious. When Colby was backstepping, circling the whole time. And I got Ooh. some answers, guys. Skinny Boy says three title defenses, and then it ends for Leon Edwards. Joe Dirt says three or four, which would equal Tyron Woodley. And to give some respect, Frank Shamrock and Pat Militich as well, for you old schoolers out there. Scott Storm says three. So, yeah, everybody kind of went with D. Nobody even sees him getting to what Kamaru Usman got, uh, got to. Uh, funny being he's a guy that beat. Uh, Kamar Usman twice. Chad Cuba says Shavkat beats Leon. Shavkat finishes Leon. Um, yeah, Shavkat's getting a lot of love. Look, this is a 90 minute show. I'm loving the, the chat. You can come at us. I can see the Facebook and the YouTube stuff. So, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff means a lot. I'm going to go to the next topic, but this is a big, big uh, deal here. So if I have some time, I'll circle back and find some other stuff. So thanks for participating, all you uh, listeners uh, of this early SBC here. All right, Colby Covington, he came up short in his third bid to become an undisputed champion. He's only lost to world champions in the last eight years, but he's also been pretty inactive and is also 35 years old. Do you see another title run for Chaos, or was this it in terms of seeing him as a title challenger? All right, Danny, we go to you now. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to imagine this is it, right? He's 0-3 in undisputed 
championship fights. And then you add the fact that, you know, he is 35 years old. Um, this is it for it, man. Like, this was it. This was it. And not only that, but if maybe he would have put a, a really close performance and almost defeated Leon Edwards, and it would have been a, a crazy-ass fight, you go, okay, 35, but still looking good, still clearly one of the best in the world, not good enough to defeat Leon tonight, but you never know. Maybe the title changes hands, and he's got beef with Bilal. He's got beef with basically anybody at welterweight, so maybe you can do a grudge match down the line if things were to change. But in this case... Uh, he looked terrible. Like, Kobe, I agree with Dana. He looked old and he looked slow. Um, is he at a point where I'm going to call for his retirement? Like, I will in a few minutes with uh, Tony Ferguson. I'm sure we'll get into that. No, I do still think he's probably a top 10 quality fighter. But an elite level guy, a top five fighter, I don't think he is. If we just look at uh, the rankings right now, uh, I don't put him, I don't give him a, a, a good chance against any of the top five. Um, and there's even some younger guys coming up that I, I think he would have trouble with. And uh, something I said in, in the lead up to this event on uh, my, my Spanish language channel, YouTube, uh, I, I said that I, not only is this it for, for Colby um, if he were to lose, but I just don't see him fighting a Sean Brady. I don't see him fighting a Shafka Rachmanov. And lo and behold, what does he do? He calls out a Wonderboy Thompson that's 40 years old, that's coming off a loss and starts fabricating that they have some sort of beef and that Thompson has been talking smack about him, which he hasn't done in any interview. I mean, we know Thompson. He's like the nicest guy ever. So I just think that Colby at this point is just going to chase big fights, big names that are aging, that are big fights, but at the same time, easier fights than, than some of the younger guys. Uh, yeah, his days as a title contender are over. Dan, Dan, let me throw something back at you. Dana White said something about 25% more pay-per-view sales were thrown out there because of the antics of, you know, Duplessis and Strickland and Colby Covington. And, and uh, of course, you also said grudge matches. Man, we all love those heated grudge matches. Still with all that, a two-fight win streak. Again, he's only lost to the, the, the Heap. Put the Warley Alves fight, you know, in the rear mirror. That's way back there, eight years ago. He's only lost to the top of the Heap. He had great fights against Kamaru Usman. You don't see one more run somehow by some miracle just because he does make waves? I don't. I really don't. Um, again, if he were to beat a Shafka Rachmanov, you basically automatically get a title shot. But I don't think he's going to get those type of fights. Um, he's going to fight the the aging names, and I don't think that'll be enough to get him back to a, a title shot. And also, just let's just look at that fight against uh, Leon. Um, it wasn't a great fight, and I think a lot of it was due – to Colby Covington. I think a lot of people were turned off by that performance. Clearly his fan base turned on, uh, turned on him, uh, booing him after the, the, the loss. Also Donald Trump walking out mid uh, interview that Colby was having, even though Colby was like shouting him out uh, all the time in that interview. Um, I, I think he just really burnt his reputation with uh, this performance. And, and I don't mean in the bad guy sense, because he's always carried that, but in the sense that this guy's no longer a, a big threat to the title. And at this point, uh, you know, he is he is in a decline, right? He's not a prime Colby Covington. The division is turning, man. Times are changing at 170. And uh, I think this is a, bis a big indicator of it. Mm -hmm. Well, three title shots is a lot. All right. What do you think, Guz? Yeah, it is a lot. You know, what's weird is like last week when we kind of asked a similar question, I felt like Colby was the type of fighter that maybe had nine lives right like a cat no matter what with the smack talk all that he could kind of build fights and put himself back in that position but because all that smack talk kind of fell flat and then on top of that the, the performance that he had just was not good i think he's kind of lost that card 
And uh, that was really the only way I could ever see him climbing back. The performance he had was just, it just wasn't him. He's a guy that usually takes the fight to his opponent. He didn't do any of that. He was very hesitant. He was very slow when he finally did decide to do those things. He was lethargic. But, you know, like, I don't even know if we have to focus so much on the things Colby Covington didn't do. I kind of want to focus on the things that, that Leon Edwards did do. I thought it was his game plan. It was his ability to dial it in and not let his emotions get the best of him. I don't think Colby Covington was expecting that. And Leon, for as much as he tried to push him, he just wouldn't react. And I think it was that game plan that just really shut Colby down. Add in the fact that when Colby did finally explode and do some of the things that we're used to seeing, he did just look kind of slower, man. And and that's just hard to, to forget. Calling out a guy like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I think that that makes sense. But really, if you want to excite the fans, like Wonderboy fights don't always do that, right? And neither do Colby fights. So you put those two together. I don't know how much he has to gain from that. If I feel uh, him ever getting close to a belt again, that belt's probably going to say Intercontinental Championship because it's going to be WWE or something. Because I think the days in, in the UFC, I don't think he can get back there, man. Like Matt Riddle, a, a former welterweight in the Matt UFC? Riddle. Go that route? Go mm-hmm. that route. Okay. Use your mouth. And uh, it's something that he's always expressed that he wanted to do. So uh, now they're together. Make that happen. All right, Mike, before I throw it to you, man, look at the chat. They're saying, who has Colby beaten lately? All guys no longer in the UFC, Masvidal, Woodley, Lawler, Colby is trash. Uh, Oatmeal Oatmeal says, Colby was obviously injured coming in, either his left knee or a foot issue. Uh, JL says, Colby had 19 months. Get out of here with the excuses. Texas brother says, Colby was not injured. Leon is just better. Mike, let me ask you this. He did fight round five more Colby-esque, right? And he finished in the way he usually does, where he's dominating, pushes the guy, gets up, goes back to the corner, and he starts the process of demoralizing the other guy. You, you don't see anything in not a sliver here where Colby can get back to a, so, something of a big fight? Uh, I mean, those are two different questions, I guess. Like, can he get another big fight? Uh, surely. Um, does this performance inspire hope that he's going to win those fights or get back to a title shot? No, not quite. Uh, I agree with what both these guys are saying. I mean, I I like how Goes kind of shifts some of the focus there to Leon and giving him praise and what he executed. But at the same time, like, that's what makes Colby almost look worse. Like, Leon wasn't doing... Uh, you know, magic tricks out there and mystifying him with this high level, confusing techniques. He had a very meat and potatoes type of game plan. He didn't really have to go to first gear at all of this fight. And he was able to win it the majority there. I mean, Colby saying post fight, like him switching stances threw me off so much. If you were preparing for Leon for this long and knowing this was coming down the pipe, you should have been ready for more stuff like that. You should have had a little more depth to your game plan, to your approach and adjusting off what Leon Edwards was doing. So I think that's what kind of brings even more of the criticism on Colby and that he didn't go out there and have to fight someone who put on the most dazzling best performance of their life. Leon fought just the way he needed to fight to win this fight, to take the rounds, and Colby couldn't really do anything about it. So I think that makes him look you know, even worse in that regard. So he definitely needs to um, reconsider, I guess, his approach to these fights, the strategy, the training, all that stuff, because it, it was not great execution. There was um, no signs that he was really able to adapt on the fly and you know adjust to Leon's adjustments and all that stuff we see at the highest level of the sport, and that was the end result we got. So... Uh, yeah, this one should certainly not inspire hope about another Colby Covington title run. I don't think the UFC is keen to put him in that position again right now. 
Uh, actually, I said this on my matchmaker video. I don't hate the Wonder Boy call out as much as a lot of people just because both these guys are irrelevant to the title picture right now. And I don't think anyone is wanting to see them in number one contender fights, title fights right now. I mean, Wonder Boy has had his moments, but he's really struggled and against a certain style and Colby Covington represents that style that Wonder Boy struggled with. So he looks at him as an easy win. And then maybe he hopes Leon loses the belt in the meantime. And he's just in a good position to backdoor his way into yet another title shot, but it would be unprecedented. Uh, fighters who are 35 or older at 170 or below, I believe are now two and 31 in title fights. And Colby of course is only getting older by the day. So uh, I do not see him getting back around there. Um, he is in that very exclusive group now to go 0 and 3 in title fights. The only person in history to go 0 and 4 in title fights is Uriah Faber, who uh, one of those was an interim title fight as well. So he's right up there in that spot where no one has been able to escape from. So as far as, you know, can he win another fight, a few more fights in his career? Sure. Is he going to be champion? The writing is on the wall when it comes to saying no. And if he does, it would be unprecedented and unlike anything we've ever seen in the sport before. Good stuff, guys. All right, the chat blowing up, man. Frozen like Elsa says, okay, stop the talk about Colby is done. He doesn't like it. Borsch Rolich, he says, if I'm Dana, I don't even pay Colby. Me Diamond 44 says, Trump being cage side created too many nerves for Colby. He looked defeated during the walkout, to be honest. Marzaic says, Covington laid an egg? Nuh-uh. Edwards didn't do anything exciting either. Well, I'll say this. I think both win dominantly. I think can both uh, be true at the same time. Those first two rounds, Marzaic, from Colby's part were uh, abhorrent. I mean, they were terrible. That's not how you go out and win the title. Leon doesn't have to be exciting. He just has to hold on to the title, and he did, and he did it, like Mike said, in dominant fashion. One other question here, then we'll move on. All right, so many MMA media and, uh, media and fans were put off by Covington's antics during fight week. Not only that, many of his MMA fighters as well. Hell, let's throw in Dana White and his post-fight comments. Guys, did he go too far? Is this more on Covington or the UFC for creating this culture? Danny? I think a bit of both. Um, and I don't even think it's the UFC for creating the culture. Um, I think it's just the way society is now. If you just rewind back maybe 20 years, I think, uh, if you would hear some of the things that you hear nowadays on social media, not just in MMA, but just in general, people would be appalled at, at what's going on. Uh, so I think we're just a, a little bit more uh, desensitized to violence to beef to drama to all this stuff um and i think this is just part of part of the culture but i also think this is uh this is colby covington um kind of pushing that frontier because certainly him and maybe a couple of others are the are the ones that have been kind of pushing the frontier of the trash talk and how far can he go so was it disgusting yes was it fucked up totally um, but do i think it should be banned or do i think he should be uh find uh no this is the fight game I, I don't agree with dana white on a lot of things but i think this is one of them that i do agree on uh this is the fight game like you at the end of the day these guys are gonna fight i think there are some topics obviously that you you don't want to get into um but as far as this goes um if that's what he wants to do and he wants to be perceived as a shitty person clearly a lot of the media a lot of the fighters and a lot of fans see him that way then that's his right. He can do that. He can do that. And I guess it's a moral trade-off, right? Is he willing to uh, damage his own image and his own persona for more money, a little bit more pay-per-view buys, more opportunities? That's that's a trade-off that he's going to have to do. And if he's able to sleep at night uh, because of it, then, then more power to him. But was it a nasty thing? Do I agree with it? Do I like it? No. But um, 
this is the fight game. Yeah, and the other trade-off is getting almost jumped at buffet lines, That's getting true. a boomerang yeah. thrown at you, and getting stolen in front of uh, steakhouses. I don't want to work oh. with you. I mean, <laughs> the a, list goes on. It's so a lot that, to consider, but 25% more pay-per-views were coming in. Who mm. knows, man? I don't know. It goes. Uh, did it go too far? Is it on him or the UFC for creating this culture? I think it's a little 50-50, but yeah, of course, he, he went way too far. Uh, but this is the one sport where when you feel like somebody has gone too far, you have the opportunity to actually hit them in the face and end their night, right? So uh, at the same time, uh, you, we all know Colby Covington. We all know what he's capable of. That line seems to kind of drift further and further into the negative. But uh, at the end of the day, in this in this particular topic, I do agree. It is the fight game, and there is an opportunity to shut the other guy up. And that's exactly what Leon Edwards did. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I think it was a, a pretty pathetic line by Colby to, of course, you know, bring up Leon's deceased father in the manner that he did. I don't really know what to say about this one that hasn't been said, man. Like it was, of course, I'd like to say it's a new low, but he's probably said some even worse stuff that I'm forgetting about over the years as far as Colby. So like, I don't think there is a new low that exists for this guy, but I certainly haven't seen the degree of fighter backlash to a particular comment that Colby Covington has made as I did this one. I mean, we put together a story on MMA Junkie. I think it had almost 40 different fighters reacting and criticizing Colby and just saying how pathetic and, you know, offside and over the line and all this stuff is. And, you know, man, like I've been doing this for a long time. I've kind of seen pretty much it all at this point. So like we talk about crossing the line, new lows, all that stuff. I don't really know where the floor is at this point. This is kind of just what the sport is. And Colby Covington is obviously uh, trying to take things to the nth degree when it comes to this stuff. So it's just like who he is. None of us should be surprised, but yeah, I guess like if you're a person who didn't like seeing any of this stuff, we saw the end result. He does not have that title belt around his waist. Uh, he is being embarrassed and chastised and thrown under the bus by you know everyone who wants to do it. This is your opportunity to kind of get back at him. But I just feel bad for Leon Edwards more so than anything. I mean, for him to say to Joe Rogan in the cage after, like, I was crying backstage after the press conference, like... You can say whatever you want about the history of Leon Edwards' father, which he's been open about and kind of what went on during his life. To take a shot at someone's you know dead parent like that is just no matter who they were or what they did, is just it's pathetic. It's just a, a real low. So none of us like to see that, but this is who Colby Covington is. This is the areas he likes to go, and uh, he did not get the reward for it in the form of the championship belt. He just got scrutinized and all the stuff Danny said about how people look at him. So um you know go live your life but at the end of the day i think uh you know sean el shoddy from mma fighting had a really good tweet that kind of went viral in the aftermath of this fight saying you know in the end colby covington's a guy with zero signature wins oh and three in title fights and basically had to sell his soul just to get an inch of traction and keep himself employed in the ufc so that's who he is and that's his story i mean i kind of agree with some of that with zero signature wins he's beaten three former champs so. Yeah, but how relevant were they at the time? Yeah. Uh, we, we just read, George, you just read comments from people being like, you know, he beat this guy who's no longer in the UFC. Like, right now at this point, like, does yeah. he have a signature win that holds up in 2023 in the UFC? No, not now. He not now. Not now. In the past, all that stuff, sure. But right now, uh, you look at the resume and it's just like, eh. Since mm-hmm. 2019, in the last four years, he's only picked up three wins. That's Jorge Masvidal, who's no longer in the in the oil. He's retired. Tyron Woodley. Retired from MMA, Robbie yeah. Lawler retired. 
Yeah, now they don't hold up. At the time, I mean, I'll give credit to, you know, Lawler was always a tough fight. So was Woodley. So was RDA. Um, yeah, but yeah, they were on the downside. He was on the upside. I get it. But I, I maybe I understood his comment wrong. Al Shadi, um, those are still wins, you know. But anyway, um, what was it? He was it he that also said something about Ian Gary's wife to start? I'm so confused by everything that went on. He even that was That's him that said that, right? Jeez, yeah. I mean, this is between that and Leon Edwards' uh, father. He makes what he said about Brazil so soft that he'll probably get Christmas cards from from Brazil. Um, he's really, really gone <laughs> under the radar now. Anyway, let's move on from this, man. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Patty Pimlet defeated Tony Ferguson via unanimous decision. Once again, Ferguson looked good at times, but most of the fight, he was simply overwhelmed. Ferguson, no doubt, is a popular fighter. And he wasn't finished in this fight. But once again, we ask, is his time in the UFC done? Or furthermore, for, furthermore, excuse me, should he just retired? Goes, you get the first take. Well, I mean, the boss himself said it, right? He thinks it's time to retire. Um, there are things, of course, that you could do. You can give him matchups that he might win. But at this point, what is that going to accomplish? It's a high salary to be throwing somebody on a fight with uh, on the prelims or something, right? I don't think that's going to work out. And if you look outside of the UFC, you know, Bellator is not really an option anymore. Um, yeah, PFL, it's a big name for them. They, they could probably put them on maybe the pay-per-view series. I, uh, maybe you give them one or something like that, but you're setting them up to put somebody else over. I honestly don't think Tony Ferguson would want to fight anywhere other than the UFC. Uh, the one thing I will say is if he's a man of his word and he sticks to it and says, look, uh, I know I haven't been doing well. I want to go out one more, maybe a UFC 300, and you give him somebody of his caliber, I could see something like that going down. I could see the UFC bending and saying, okay, we'll do that. But just to keep giving him fights and for him to come out and give these performances where every uh, performance he's showing us something a little different, he's getting a little slower, just things are not there for him. It's a dangerous sport, and I don't want to see somebody who accomplished so much in his career be remembered for the downfall. And I think that's starting to happen right now. And we're starting to forget just how badass at one point he was. And I don't want that to happen. So hopefully I think this is uh, the end for him. Mike, is El Kukui done in the UFC? Or furthermore, should he just retire? Oh, man. This is such a bummer to talk about. Hey? Like, I think it's got to be, I guess, both. I mean, I don't want to see him competing at this level anymore. I mean, th there's not a whole lot redeeming about this performance. He did have a little bit of a moment in the third round when Paddy was gassing out uh, pretty badly in that moment, which is not a great look on his side. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot there that made you feel like something has changed. Things are different. Um, they're talking about on commentary how he doesn't have like a real coach. Uh, David Goggins for all the talk leading in was completely useless in the corner during the fight. So like none of this really helped him going forward. So yeah, I, I don't know what to say. He's tied with BJ Penn now for the longest losing skid in UFC history. Uh, unless the UFC wants to take BJ Penn out of the record books from that dubious honor and put Tony Ferguson in there alone. Uh, maybe they want to give him another fight, but sitting here right now, like you look at these lightweights, what makes sense for him, who you could match up, you know, Patty Pimblett suggested after like he could beat Drakkar close. He could defeat Marco Madsen. I'm not even really sure about those ones, man. Like those are still tough fights for him. There's not a lot of the lightweights out of, you know, a hundred plus the UFC has on its roster that I feel confident Tony Ferguson could beat and be super competitive with. So to me, that signifies the end. What are we continuing to do this for? Uh, if he needs the money, 
and that's the situation that is of course sad given someone with like 22 ufc fights who was a top contender as headline shows who held that interim belt like if that's what we're continuing to do this for that's i guess another conversation um that's concerning but there's people out there who will pay Tony Ferguson for better or worse, whether it's, you know, BKFC or karate combat or an MMA organization. Like there's places out there. He can make money. If that is the only driving factor for him at this point, really. But if we're even sniffing conversations about him being at a top level again and all that stuff, like it's just, it's just not there anymore. So I would like to see him retire. And I think that's what he needs to do at this point. Uh, for the betterment of you know his future and his health and all that stuff um, you know kind of guts me to say because Tony Ferguson is a fan favorite and a legend of the sport but kind of like BJ Penn as we went down the wire there like people say like they're hurting their legacy that's always kind of a conversation with these fighters who go late down and you look at BJ Penn and you're like man you still think of like he was you know one of the youngest uh, black belts from America like in the world and first two like two division champion had all these amazing moments and stuff like that you try to think about that a little bit more than seeing him get absolutely destroyed in all these fights down the stretch and you wonder how much he hurt his legacy this just feels a little bit different with Tony because he didn't reach those exact same heights and it just seeing it in this sense is just getting worse and worse so I do feel like he is damaging his legacy by continuing the fight and I don't want to see any more of that oatmeal 26 says please retire Tony Joseph Boza says this was a gift Tony should retire that's seven in a row uh MMA voodoo says Tony won't stop fighting he doesn't know what else to do Joseph Boza comes back and says Tony basically set up Patty for July to get a top 10 guy JC Nixon says Tony is entering his prime guys he's just getting started good one all right so listen in the b-roll he's fighting Anthony Pettis great fight in Anaheim California about three four years ago and look at Pettis he's gone and boxed Roy Jones now granted he's a striker Tony's comes more from the wrestling game but he's done something right he's gone to PFL cashed some big checks went and boxed Roy Jones Jr just did karate combat this past weekend goes was there I, I suppose there are some other ways for him to make some money because he is super popular. But anyway, let's get back to you guys. You guys are the stars of the show. Uh, Danny, what are your thoughts, man? Yes, Tuvo with the UFC. Retire altogether. What's up? Yeah, no mas, Tony. No mas. It's it's done. I mean, seven fight losing streak. That's that's a lot of losses. And not only that, but he, you know, prior to this one, which was a decision, he was finished in his last three. And we're not talking about because before it was okay, Benio Darius, you know, he's knocking on the door of a title shot. Michael Chandler fought for a belt. Um, you know, Charles Oliveira, former champion, like, okay, but now we're entering a territory of different caliber, and he's not cutting it there either. Like, sorry, but Patty Pimblett, big star, big name, but he's not a top 15 fighter. He's not. Uh, I would say he's probably more like a top 30 UFC UFC lightweight or maybe 25. Wow. Um, I mean, just look at the rankings, uh, George. I mean, look, can Patty Pimblett beat number 15, Drew Dober? I don't think so. Bobby Green, 14? I don't think so. 13, Moicano? I don't think so. Uh, St. Denise at 12? I don't think so. 11, Dos Anjos? No, I, don't I hear think you. So. I hear you when you said top I mean, 30. Yeah, I mean, th there's other guys that are just, uh, you know, knocking on the door of the of the rankings that I think that beat uh, Pimblett, say like a Joel Alvarez or, or, or someone like that, um, that are maybe more in the top 20. I think Patty's probably around top 25. Um, look, what are we going to do at this point? Like, 
the 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 legends division was supposed to be Nate Diaz was supposed to be kind of Bobby Green and Patty Pimblett, and he's not cutting it there either. And it's tough to say because Tony Ferguson is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Uh, his prime in 2017, that's when it was his peak when he defeated Kevin Lee. I mean, it was just something else. Um, if, if you don't, if you didn't witness it, you really missed out on on a remarkable run. And it's sad to see him at this stage. And like Mike said, um, I hope that he's okay financially. I mean, he fought for a belt. He headlined numerous events, uh, 20 fights, uh, 20 plus fights in the UFC. Hopefully he's good financially. And he's just been doing this because he wants to fight. Uh, if, if that's the case, you know, no more, Tony. Go enjoy. You did enough. Uh, your time's up 40 years old, seven fight losing streak. I mean, what else can I say? Right? Like, um, I don't want to see Tony Ferguson fight again. I think this is it for him. Mm -hmm. Black connection says he was such a killer in his day. We all agree. Oatmeal two six says Tony versus Lazon 300 double retirement fight. Um, I heard Lazon tried to get on the Boston card oatmeal and they denied him. So I don't know how that works, yeah, but I think he's done. I think 300 is pretty special. I liked what goes said. Dana White said in the press conference, wait till you hear the first fight. You'll say, holy cow, 300 is pretty special. And I was just thinking, why not Miller versus Jim Miller versus Tony Ferguson? If Ferguson can fly to Las Vegas, look Dana in the eye. He doesn't have to convince him that he puts in the work. He puts Jim in Miller's the work. Old. It's his tactics, his tactics falling to his back. You know, those easy takedowns that he doesn't fight off. And then he lays there and he crosses his legs and it's a full guard. Like he doesn't open up his guard. He doesn't put foot feet on the hips. He doesn't try any sweeps. He tries the blades, but the blades weren't doing nothing to Patty Pimlet. He was easy to mark up, too. Um, the blood was trickling from the nose. It was from punches. It wasn't from any of the blades. I just think some of the tactics are just, like, from 2017. He needs to get up, you know, and, and use his wrestling and put Patty on his back. I think that would be the better uh, way to go, Mike. It's no, it's, I was just saying, this is just the reality, man. We're talking about a, a nearly 40-year-old lightweight. Name me anyone in the history of MMA who has really kept it together at that age in this weight class and compete at the highest level. Like, yeah, there's a few guys who can win out there. And, you know, you, you talk about Jim Miller, like he's obviously getting up there in age two and he's still able to pick up wins. But, you know, like would Tony Ferguson beat Nicholas Moda? Maybe like, I don't know, but like, is the UFC going to set that fight up? Tony Ferguson, this is like the problem with the sport too, to a degree, right? Like the more success you have, the harder it is to go back and mm -hmm. they'll try like they tried to do that they've done this they did it with bobby green they did it with patty pimblett and what's the step back from patty pimblett like anything there you're just looking at it being like okay like they're just trying to get tony a win against anything here which if you want to do that but what are you setting up for the future what are you trying to build off what are you doing this you're just giving the guy a nice payday and if the ufc want to do that as you were kind of laying out there george he goes to vegas he sits down with dana and hunter and sean and mick and says guys like I will do one more fight. Maybe it's the last fight on his contract. I know they gave him a new deal for the Nate Diaz fight when all that chaos happened with a pay bump. And maybe that's why he's continuing to push because maybe he's getting money as we related to earlier that actually uh, is setting him up for something forward. But if they have that conversation, say, give me one more fight, give me a winnable fight. And I promise win or lose, I'm going to retire. It's going to be the end, all that stuff. Maybe they could be persuaded, but how far do you have to go down to find someone that is at this point in 2024, it will be a winnable fight for Tony Ferguson. Dude, and Jim is up in age, but he can still thump. That that dude can still knock people out. I, I don't want to see Tony Ferguson uh, get finished, take more punishment. Remember, not that long ago, this was a guy that was having mental health issues, uh, and he's got a ton of damage on his body. 
I don't want to see him fight, period. If he does fight, if they do that UFC 300 thing, I'm looking at the roster right now. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, the only fight that I'll, I'll be able to stomach might be one against Clay Guida. Outside of that, I, I don't like him against anyone. I, I, I hear what you guys are saying, but I will say this. He needs to get with a proper coach. He's just not getting in between rounds. He's not getting anything. His tactics late, are though, antiquated. What, what's that going to do for him at this point? Like he well, goes remember a few years ago, he, he shopped himself around. He went to New, uh, New Mexico. He stopped in Las Vegas. And then what did he do? He went back to himself. At least a guy like Clay Guida, who's he got? Holdsworth. Danny Castillo. He's got uh, jo Joey Rodriguez. He's got proper coaches who are coming up with game plans that kind of have a, at least a plan B and a plan C. We're seeing a rinse and repeat. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. At least, at least that's what I would tell him if I was a promoter. I'd say, yeah, I, I know you put in the work, but, you know, it, it doesn't seem like your your style of fighting is, is winning fights, you know, and, and you're going to get hurt that way. So hopefully you can get with a coach or something like that. I, I don't know, but him coaching himself and, and doing all that, um, no. it's not working. That opinion is right, George. What you're saying is right. It's just it was right two years ago is when maybe he could have made that adjustment. Mm. But now the ship has sailed. And, and But you're right. Like every Tony Ferguson fight at the end, he's giving you some kind of excuse as to somebody else that was giving him problems or why that didn't work. But he rarely makes the switches within himself. His fighting style is what's put him in these bad situations. And he's never made that adjustment. It's kind of too late now. Even if you give him Clay Guida, I mean, it ain't going to, I don't know that's going to say. Clay Guida actually looked pretty damn good in his last fight. Yeah, but but we, you got to give him somebody. It's got to be somebody there. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, it's got to be somebody of that caliber if you have to give him somebody. But uh, I'm actually into the Joe Lazan you know, fight if they do it. And I'm calling for him to retire too. But I'm just saying if he somehow squeaks out another one, the, I think they gave Sal, Sam Malvey the eighth or ninth shot. Um, you know, and like I say, Dana's at these press conferences and he sees one guy getting all of this applause and cheers and flowers. You know, all that is part of an equation of pay-per-view sales and ticket sales. I'm sure he already said he wants him to retire, but I'm telling you guys walk into that office and demand stuff all the time. He got it out of Liddell. He wanted him to put in a proper camp. He got it out of Alvy, I guess. Alistair Overeem sat in the lobby for eight hours, they said. He made him sit there for on purpose. And he said, don't worry, my chin's good. He actually aligned himself with a proper camp. He went to Colorado and said, I'm working with wrestlers and this. And he extended his career. Um, anyway. Um, well, at, at the end of the day, too, I guess just one of the final points on this is like, I don't know his contract status. If he still has fights on his contract, the UFC has a choice to make. They either have to offer him fights and give him another fight or release him. And he will potentially go do his thing elsewhere so dana can sit up there and he can say whatever he wants i'd love to see him retire that's why he wasn't you know saying like he has to retire he's going to retire like i would love to see him because he doesn't have full control of the situation if tony is owed more fights and asks for them the ufc has a contractual obligation to give it to him so that's i think one of the tipping points here too if they want to release him that would be the bigger message if they said hey tony you are not capable at this level anymore but it goes back to what you just said there he's got a huge fan base he still has traction all that stuff does the ufc want to give that away to another promotion and that's kind of the the catch-22 of something like this hey guys real quick i know this is crazy let's say he's done in the ufc are you guys into pfl pay-per-views nope. ferguson nope. versus nope. pettis two thumbs up or thumbs down quick nope. thumbs down versus pettis really wow but if he's going to leave the UFC and he has to do something, I'd rather it be an MMA 
than see him in like BKFC. Yeah, combat I'd like to see him versus Pettis in PFL. I thought that I thought you guys would be into that one, but all right, I struck out. Um, let's talk about the winning side. It was Patty. He said this was lose lose for him. Despite winning on Saturday night, did he in fact lose? Guys, goes. I don't think so. You know, I thought uh, even before the fight started, he came in great shape. You know, he, de he definitely transformed his body. I think that was yeah. the first part of the victory. More uh, in the fight, he showed some improvements in his game. Uh, the cardio did start to slip at the end, but, you know, I guess it maybe wasn't the, the perfect performance, but I thought he did pretty, pretty good. Um, a finish, I think, is what mm -hmm. would have said that he's ready for the next level, right? The performance says he belongs to be there. A finish says he's ready to take the next step. Um, but there's no looking back. You know, once you get a name like Tony Ferguson, you can't just go back and start fighting other guys like that. You're going to have to move up. And in a vision like that, it's nonstop tough fights for him. So all in all, he won the fight. I didn't think he won the night, though, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just the way things are going to work when he fights outside of England. You know, the pop was somewhat there, but it just kind of went away. And when he fights in England, it just feels like it, it on Monday morning, that's when we're all still talking about it. Maybe that's just the way it is when he doesn't fight in, in, in England. But uh, it was okay. I, I didn't think he lost anything there. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I basically agree with these guys. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't best case scenario. It wasn't worst case scenario either. I think the way he handled it as far as like what he said after the fight, before the fight, uh, endeared him to a slight degree i mean definitely was not the same guy we saw a year ago after his fight with jared gordon so uh, i think it was fine he didn't make us sad by like completely knocking out and damaging tony to a brutal degree so um i think i think it was fine for what it was this was going to be a tough situation regardless for him but i think all things considered he came out of it pretty well and now he can move on to something more relevant and has a signature win as far as a name on his resume so um i was fine with it i wouldn't be too mad if i was patty pimblett uh, on this monday morning mm -hmm. what about you danny i i think he came in as the b-side played it cool all week snapped at him when he had to at the press conference tried to give him some respect after the fight he gave him that stare kind of like hey let's hug it out you know tony wanted none of it then at the end he got his hug and his, and his handshake and everything and it looked, it looked like he left us the a side what are your thoughts yeah i think this was a win for him i mean this was a a big pay-per-view the final pay-per-view of the year uh he was able to be on the main card he was able to fight in las vegas in the u.s he picked up a pretty clear and dominant win left without a scratch pretty much um having tony ferguson on your resume is always something good no matter the state it still looks good having a former interim champion in there and let's not forget he was coming off a big injury where he had to get foot surgery um this is probably the closest thing you can get to a tune-up fight in a return you don't want to fight a killer not really knowing how your foot is gonna be uh on fight night or not fully being 100 confident i think this was uh a, a good Thing for Patty Pimblett, you know, he gets a solid win here, um, a lot of exposure. Um, he said time and time again that he was in a lose-lose situation. I think he gained a lot from this fight. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, let's move on. We lost Ian Gary and Vicente Luque during fight week. However, we added Strickland versus Duplessis on fight night. Together with the testy pre-fight press conference, will this ultimately cost UFC respect in the sports industry that they fought so hard to legitimize themselves in? Mike? Um, what respect? I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying, kind of like the premise of the question, but no matter how the USC has grown and kind of the platform it's got on with ESPN and all that stuff, like in some ways it's 
uh, and they want to be covered like a mainstream sport up there with, you know, the top four and all those things. And that's how they want to be viewed. But then when it's convenient for them, it's things like this, right? Where they could be like, ah, it's a niche sport. And this is what we expect out of, you know, the MMA fighters, the cage fighters and things like that. So I don't think it hurts the sport by any means. Like I don't necessarily know anyone who saw whether it was the trash talk or the cage side scuffle brawl whatever you want to describe it as that's suddenly going to be like nah like i'm done watching this i'm turned off from the sport so i really don't think that you know that's like a, an extreme on that end of it that you need to be concerned about um these two hurting it and especially when you look at sean strickland man if you already know what this guy's about and you've seen him conduct himself for however long i mean what a what a gentleman right he asked gilbert burns his wife and the child to move out of the way there so he can jump over the <laughs> chairs there's some redeeming qualities to sean strickland guys don't be too harsh on the guy but yeah like this is obviously not an ideal moment you don't want crowd fights uh between guys who are supposed to fight in about a month like that's i think the biggest concern when it comes to this so sean strickland had broken his hand or cut ddp's head open or something like that that's when it gets real bad but right now look at this man this is promotional dream fodder in like a lot of ways right how many times are we going to see this clip leading into the pay-per-view on january 20th so like is the ufc ashamed of this they teased it like five times on the broadcast right being like we got it stay tuned the footage will be coming your way and we finally get it like right at the very very end of the pay-per-view broadcast so they know what they were doing they were trying to hold on to this and you know make it a thing um i don't really have the biggest problem in the world with like the, the cage side thing that was something that should have been avoided and could have been avoided as dana white said his his uh mess up as far as the seating chair or seating chart the stuff that was a little more off-putting was probably like the press conference trash talk right like uh ddp bringing up sean strickland's abusive past and all that stuff um which again I, I don't know whether that's fair or foul or if that's crossing the line like these are all things sean strickland has talked about at nauseum whether it was in his many press conferences on the joe rogan podcast like he's put this all out into the public sphere and now it's coming back at him a little bit um so i don't really know like whether to say that's too bad i think drickus maybe could have pulled out some other talk that would have been effective as well but he clearly got under Sean Strickland's skin. And if that's his goal going into the fight, then mission accomplished. So this is a tricky one. There's a lot of highs, a lot of lows to it. But what I can say is I'm 10 times more fascinated going into this fight right here in Toronto, January 20th, than I was at the beginning of the week. All right, Danny, you're next, man. Uh, will this ultimately cost the UFC respect in the sports industry that they fought so hard to legitimize legitimize themselves and remember back in the day it was human cockfighting and it was off cable and satellite granted it was a long time ago i get it uh i'm not trying to be the old guy get off my lawn but what are your thoughts we're so past that people love this um i'm in a, a group instagram with uh, a bunch of my uh friends like longtime friends called we sporty where we share uh a bunch of sports clips and stuff like that there are a bunch of mma casuals i'll say them i'll say that i don't care uh, a few of them are kind of follow the sport closely, but most of them are casuals. And guess what they share? A video of Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis going at it. Um, this stuff sells, man. And this is uh, the UFC might say, and Dana White might say that they don't love it, but they know it's good for business. Just as they said that, or Dana White said that um, Kobe's coming tons comments were such a nasty thing to do. He also mentioned literally a minute or two after that, immediately after the press conference, pay-per-view got bumped up 25 percent 
on a global scale. Um, we can pretend and sit here and say this is horrible and this and that, but at the end of the day, this is fighting. This aids and fuels the fire of, uh, of fighting. It raises the stakes. Nobody got injured. Again, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying I like it, but the fan base certainly eats it up. And uh, I don't think by any means this is a black eye to the sport. If anything, it just previewed the next pay-per-view. Goes, you feel like these guys or do you have a different take? By the way, I rewound this thing about 100 times. I saw even Uriah Faber getting pushed back into his chair. Luckily, mm -hmm. Jake uh, Ellenberger was there to help him up. But anyway, what Chido were you thought? Loving it. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on on who you're talking about, right? Like if we if we talk about the talking heads that we see on some of these sports shows that cover the NFL, they cover the NBA, MLB, all that. Yeah, they're going to be laughing at us, right? It's a clown show. The things that these guys said out there were were pretty nasty, pretty disgusting, and letting them do that kind of rolls over to the next thing, right? The next guy pushes the line even further until we get to this point where a fight actually breaks out in the stands. And yeah, nobody was hurt, but somebody could get hurt. And I don't know that we want to see that type of stuff happen. I mean, uh, dude, the stuff that happened in the press conference, man, like deceased family members, gay slurs, pedophiles, you can sell fights without having to say that type of stuff, right? Like, I, I think that does go too far. And it does kind of make them look silly. The difference is when they're doing that, those two individuals settle that and they settle that in the cage. That's where you can get away with, hey, it's the sports edgy. It's the fight game where you can't get away with those statements or when fights actually happen in the crowd. That's where somebody's going to get hurt. That's where lawsuits are going to start. And I don't understand why you have to wait for that to actually happen before you make a move on that. Putting two guys that are that just had that type of altercation, those words next to each other. I don't know that that's your oops moment when you're doing a, a, a fight chart. And then you come out and you say, yeah, you don't like those things, but then you come out and you promote it at the end of your show. It kind of says a lot. Um, this is a sport that, look, all four of us here on this panel, and even the people that are commenting right now, you guys have been a part of building a sport. And that is very, very rare. When you were born, there were all kinds of stories about pro football, basketball, all that. They all had a history, okay? And the rules were pretty much set. Yeah, they changed from time to time. But for the most part, it was a sport that was legit. You all have been part of building a sport. And when you see a sport that you put so much time and effort into kind of fall by the wayside and see these types of things happen, it does kind of sting a little bit because you do want to have that same respect that the other sports get. Look, are you telling me that the NFL playoffs don't get intense? I mean, those guys want to want to hurt each other just as bad, but they're not out there at press conferences doing it. You have your occasional scuffles here and there, but it's not uh, every other card the way it's starting to happen here in mixed martial arts. So it just depends. You know, inside our bubble, we probably don't care too much. But if you want to be respected outside of the bubble, yeah, these things are going to hurt you. I don't yeah. think anyone goes back to what I said, though. Like, where is the respect from outside the bubble? What are we actually looking for? Like, if you put this in like a, you know, just in a vacuum, like this was an assault in the crowd from one UFC fighter to another, like a, a legitimate assault. Dana White goes to the press conference, says the police didn't even care. They had better shit to do was his words as far as like, you know, taking any legal side of this. Um, I didn't see any coverage of it on Sports Center, on any talking heads this morning on, you know, first take or any of these shows across any networks. Like it doesn't even hit a blimp on the radar in that regard, because it's almost like the expectation, especially if you look at someone like Sean Strickland, if this was Conor McGregor or George St. Pierre or Ronda Rousey, like sure. John Jones, 
it would cross that threshold a little bit. I'm sure people would be talking about it on a kind of a grander scale, but this stuff, like this is, as I said, just kind of the, almost the expectation of the sport at this point. And it, it is to the UFC's, I guess, benefit in a way, like the way they position themselves. As I've looked at the top, there's some elements where they're treated and looked at and covered like a mainstream sport, like one of those big four. But when this kind of stuff happens, they're the niche sport and it doesn't really cross the line. So like in the UFC sense, this is almost like a perfect best case of both worlds type of thing. But yeah, like, I don't think this, this hurts the sport or anything like that. I just feel like these type of things keep getting pushed until somebody draws a line. And sure. we're already at the point where somebody's hurting each other in the stands. The next thing that pops up are firearms or stabbing people. At what point are we going to say, Hey, I think maybe it's a little bit too much. Look, yeah. we don't even have to take it that far, like as far as like bringing weapons. Like, w- what if that uh, strike would have uh, hit the back of the head of Drikas Duplessis and then he would have ended up at the hospital with a really bad concussion and then maybe his fight career is over or something happened to his eye and then he loses his eye? This stuff can happen, right? Um, but until then, the UFC has yet to go through something like that. Until then, we're, we're not going to see any fines. We're just going to see, yeah, this is the fight game, whatever. But you know, I agree with Mike. I think, uh, you know, it's been combat sports has long time been referred as, as the red light district of sports. And we're just viewed differently. <laughs> that's, that's the way it is. Yeah. All I'll say is, like I said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've rewound it plenty of times. I get a kick out of seeing everyone's reaction. Jamal Hill, Chuck Liddell, Cheeto, everybody. Um, but I don't want a palace. What was it called? Malice at the palace. That was horrible. Check out Galata versus, was it Riddick Bogos? When they, I mean, they the started blowing chairs. Like you, you don't want something like that. You don't want what happened mm-hmm. at the MGM lobby or whatever. So they got to kind of figure out if it's if they're not going to publicly say anything, uh, if they're not going to say anything in the fighters, then yeah, Dana White already said I messed up, you know, in the seating chart. But just get more security there, or or I don't know, you think figure, he it, figure it out, huh? You think he messed up, Dana White? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, are you well, insinuating I mean, that you think this was like uh, carefully yeah, crafted potentially? Nah. I mean, I don't think they 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 wanted this to happen, but they at least hoped some trash talk, some friction, maybe yeah. security and the other fellow fighters, you know, keeping them separated. I, I don't know if they wanted actual strikes to land, but this is good for business. If not, they wouldn't have played it at the end of the pay-per-view, teasing the next pay-per-view. I don't think they wanted it to happen, but I don't think they're mad that it happened. Justin in right. the chat says... Uh, the UFC camera just happened to be panned on him. Dude, they got like hundreds of cameras in there. Yeah, and they uh, were already so, doing one of those things where it's like, here's Sean Strickland in the front row. They do that all the time. And then, you know, Drickus was behind him. And then they went back to their normal broadcast stuff. And then, obviously, the cameraman was still there. They kept filming. So, um, I don't know. That conspiracy theory stuff is yeah. all you. Stop it, Justin. Seriously, you. All right. And the earth's not flat. We landed on the moon. <laughs> Come on. All right. Um, guys, real quick. We got to start hustling a little bit here um did Rikas Duplessis get too personal on Sean Strickland was it fair play though uh, or was it fair play given that Strickland has said so many things about so many different people uh Mike to you and let's go a little quicker now yeah I think I hit it kind of already I mean Sean Strickland has, has put his story on the table uh he has said far worse about a lot of different people about you know himself even so um like was it a little tasteless sure but uh, did he maybe invite it a little bit? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Danny? It's funny because um, to lift the, the curtain up a little bit, um, getting ready for the show, you guys asked me sort of like, 
we, we, we kind of touched on this topic and I even forgot about it. Just given Colby Covington's comments that kind of overshadowed everything at this point, like, you know, he, he was probably wasn't too close to the line given how far that line has been pushed. So again, I go back to my original comments. It's the fight game. Do I like it? No, but it comes with it. Right. Goes your thoughts and is Jukas Duplessis kind of almost a master man? He's kind of quietly getting <laughs> ruffling a lot of feathers without, you know, mm -hmm. spending too much time doing it. I mean, he likes to push buttons and it's worked, right? It, it, it worked a little bit with Israel Adesanya, got him pissed off, and now it's worked with Sean Strickland. I don't know that you could just, I don't know that you feel that sorry for Sean because that's kind of where he lives. He lives in that world where things get pushed. So, um, DDP said what he said, but that's just something that Sean has to deal with because he does the same thing. Mm -hmm. All right. We move on. How bad is Sean O'Malley at press conferences, guys? <laughs> on Twitter, it's been noted how he's pretty underwhelming in almost every situation. He's up there. Could it, you know, the lack of ability to use these opportunities to build up his fights himself, could it hurt his future star power? He's already a star. Like he said, I'm a, I'm a rich clown. Uh, or does it even matter because he's capable of being such an exciting fighter? Danny, what do you think, man? Yeah, he's not like the best at doing one-liners and responding and stuff like that. But I don't think he's also terrible. I think this was probably a bad example. I think this is one of his worst press conferences. But I was there at UFC 292 when he fought Algerman Sterling. And I don't think he did a stellar job, but I didn't think he was too bad either. He had a couple of good things and a couple of good jabs at, at uh, not only Chito, but also uh, Algerman. And he actually did a pretty good job at building the fight with Chito, hoping that he would win and then uh, Chito would do his job as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of who Sean O'Malley is. He's not your Conor McGregor. He's not your Colby Covington. But um, I, I don't think people necessarily tune in for the press conferences. He does deliver really good knockouts, really good fights. Um, and then his social media following, his YouTube, uh, that aids a lot to his star stardom. So I don't think these press conferences hurt a ton. Would they help if he would have... He would get better, yes, of course, but I don't think they hurt too much his star power. But I agree, he's not he's not top of the of the line on that end. Mm -hmm. Goes, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Danny. Not everything needs to be a home run, but at the same time, he kind of gives that vibe that he just doesn't want to be there. I think he's still a little bit awkward when he's under other people's rules. When he's on his own podcast, I think he kind of just chills, relaxes, personality comes out a little bit more, but. Despite how bad he is in these situations, when that guy walks into a room and people light up, I was at karate combat. When that guy walked in, the entire place went bananas. So I don't think it's really altering anything. You know, the guy's a star inside the cage and maybe he could do more. Uh, but right now, I think it's working for him. Mm -hmm. All right, Mike, how about your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree with these guys. Um, he definitely like his execution on the microphone at these press conferences and even in like a one on one setting when he comes back to the media room after a win or as a guest fighter, or you get a one on one interview with him. Um, he doesn't blow the house away with his quotes with all that like his, his talk certainly doesn't match the fighting style match his look and everything that he kind of puts out there in that regard um, but it seems to kind of be who he is like he's obviously a bit of like an introverted stoner and stuff like that seems to be his personality and kind of what he he likes to flow with and that's fine i mean to each their own but yeah like if people were pegging him after Snoop Dogg's famous, you know, O'Malley, O'Malley moment that blew up his star power and he's continued to follow with like the performances and delivering, um, he's not the next 
Conor McGregor. He's not like the next, I think, crossover star for the UFC. He could be a star, I think, within the MMA world and might already be a little bit to a degree, but he just doesn't seem to have the the character traits or the mic skills yet. Uh, maybe that develops over time to, to be that kind of guy. So I think anyone looking for that out of him is going to be disappointed with like a press conference like this and moving forward. He'll throw a good line in there every once in a while. He's got, he's got some good quotes kind of on his portfolio, but yeah, he's not, he's not that guy. So people definitely need to temper their expectations when it comes to that. And it definitely like, it all matters though, right? It builds into his star power, his selling ability. Um, I was quite curious to know how much, this pay-per-view at UFC 299 with him in the main event would sell. And that's before they gave him all the help in the world with an Mm -hmm. insanely deep main card. So like, I don't think UFC 299 based off what this card looks like right now is going to be the defining factor of like what Sean O'Malley uh, pay-per-view is capable of selling like, because they're giving him tons of help on this one. So um, yeah, it's definitely something interesting to follow going forward just to see what he is, what he can be. But it's all predicated on winning. If he goes in there and continues to dazzle and continues to deliver highlight reel, incredible knockouts and performances, then it all doesn't really matter in the end because that's the stuff that that the people tune in for uh, ultimately is to see that delivered. So we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, right now his track record when it comes to you know press conferences, things like that, uh, a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the chat. Black Connection says, I like Sean. Seems like a cool guy. Well, thank you, Black Connection. I can I'm actually go by George, but thank you. I appreciate that. Steve Q17 says, O'Malley is a bum. Troy Allen Art says, O'Malley smokes Cheeto this go-round. Krokatuzu uh, or something like that says, Cheeto gets two extra rounds to find that kill, sh- kill shot where he's most dangerous. JCV says, O'Malley acting like a teenager with the ESPN top 10 was so lame. Solid fighter, though. Sugar Sean is responsible for the emotional slaughter of Strickland. Reuben Q in exile says that. Me Diamond 44 says, O'Malley beating Cheeto is a lock. Keep them coming, folks. And you know what? Hit that like button right now as we still got another 15 minutes or so of solid MMA talk. We do this every Monday. It's usually a noon Eastern, 9 a.m. start. However, with everything that transpired last week, fight week in Vegas, it was nuts. We had the World MMA Awards, Karate Combat, LFA, uh, those press conferences, the fights themselves. We decided to give you guys an extra 30 minutes. And because it's the last show of the year, George. That's right. We won't be here for next week. So uh, early Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. But again, we still got 15 minutes to go here. So we will keep going. Um, Real fast, guys, who should be the alternate for that O'Malley-Cheeto fight? Anybody got a name? I mean, I guess either Piotr Jan or Song Yidong since they're on that card. I feel like that mm-hmm. probably is what makes yeah, the most sense right now. And, and Cejudo's tied up with Devalish really the, the month before, right? In Anaheim? Yeah. I see that too, too quick of a turnaround. Someone okay. mentions Corey Sandhagen. I guess that uh, Eric appeared in uh, the Facebook chat. So that, that probably makes the most sense, honestly, if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we'll move on. The UFC is also doing a great job of lining up the first quarter of 2024. We got main events. They went ahead and sent location. We even got one of them quarterly press conferences this past Friday with all the headliners. Nerves were struck that day, by the way. All right, post UFC 296, we even got more matchups announced courtesy of Dana White. But for now, I want to put the focus on UFC 299. Like Mike teased earlier, it is stacked. Holy cow, that's a deep card that they have. 
that they're building right now. Though we're going to be missing Leon Edwards, probably. I don't know. Uh, I see another welterweight palooza on the horizon. Lots of matchups. But, guys, what were you the most jacked about when you heard uh, the matchups for this card? Goes? I start at the top, man. That O'Malley Vera fight. It was already fun. I mean, but hearing them kind of go at each other a little bit more. Uh, as we get closer, I think it's just going to build more and more. The fight on paper is great. Both guys have improved since the first fight. It's a chance for Sean to avenge that loss. And for Marlon, there's a lot on the line, man, because that division is stacked. And I think what's helped him get here is the fact that he had that win over O'Malley. So uh, there's a lot riding for him. You see how big of a deal this, this sport has become in Ecuador. To be a guy to be able to bring a belt back there, I think, would be absolutely huge. And for Sean... Uh, just continuing to add good names to this hit list. I think this fight is just going to be really, really fun. And I think it's going to go a lot different than the first one. Mm -hmm. Great B-roll there. Yeah, man. O'Malley comes strong with the outfits. Looks like Cheeto Vera stopped at Burlington, Burlington Coat Factory before the <laughs> before the press conference. But anyway, Mike, what, what about you, man? What, what What's the one that stands out the most for you? Yeah, I mean, MVP signing is obviously noteworthy, but uh, I know Danny wants to talk about that, so I'll leave that to him a little bit. To me, I mean, uh, I am... there's so much stuff on this card, go for it if you want. No, no, I mean, I, I'm more curious about the Ian Gary, Jeff Neal fight. Uh, mm. Obviously, we were supposed to get that in Boston. Uh, Ian Gary has done what he do did with the mugshot t-shirt and all that stuff, which I think was like almost one of the tipping points of like the... Uh, endless stream of hate that is now coming his way. It's been a lot for Ian Gary. This withdrawal from this fight um, definitely made him an even bigger target. Uh, I fully understand. It. I mean, it sounds like he was legitimately ill uh, from people I've talked to around him. It seems like he's still struggling a little bit, which is why I'm a little surprised they announced this so quickly. I mean, of course it's agreed upon. Ian's going to say he can do it. It's, three months away but i don't know maybe like let the guy actually say he can breathe normally before you announce another fight for him i don't know just maybe my thought but i am more intrigued by this than i am the Vicente <laughs> luke fight just because luke I mean, he's obviously great fantastic fighter um but i just wonder kind of about where he's at right now on the other end of that health scare and then jeff neal like are you talking about a guy who could not be more motivated coming off the loss to Shavkat Rachmanov where he put on a banger and then now all this stuff with Ian Gary uh, he is going to be hopefully fully healthy renewed focused all that stuff and I think we're gonna find out uh, what you know Ian Gary is really all about and what Jeff Neal is all about so that one to me is is one I'm fascinated and how, how could you not want to see what Ian Gary is going to kind of do on the back end of this crazy couple months for him yeah and Mike man you got me cracking up because I see a UFC official just peeking into the hospital can you breathe now all right cool you're fighting my you're fighting jeff neal in a few Blink twice if you uh want to sign, sign this exactly fight. man like all pneumonia, right. dude pneumonia does a, a number on your body you don't just bounce Bro. back from that with nyquil <laughs> uh they got o'malley versus vera chikagan versus barber blades versus jailton almeida mateos gamron versus uh rda kevin holland versus michael page uh, Kev, uh sorry jeff neal versus ian machado gary Gilbert Burns versus Jack Della Madalina. See what I mean about that welterweight palooza. Pewter Yan versus Song Yadong. Pedro Munoz versus Kyler Phillips. Lauren Murphy versus Kareem Silva. Uh, I mean, look, this thing's blowing up. I wonder if the new matchmaker thinks this is 300 and goofed up. But uh, this is solid. It's like they're going to leave scratch. How much matchmaking that new matchmaker is actually doing, by the way. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> All right. Danny, your thoughts, man. Which one got your tail wagging? Bro, that arena is about like 
30, 30 miles from here, uh, maybe a little bit less. So we're going to see some fireworks here. Uh, I'm excited. Um, this is a fantastic card. And I can't, I'm, I'm a little worried, to be honest, for UFC 300 because there's a lot of meat on this one. And, and that usually has a, an effect on the following pay-per-view. But, hey, Dana White says UFC 300 is going to be stupid stacked as well. I mean, I, I, I'll i believe him. But, um, I mean, I have so many fights to pick from, from already the ones that have been announced. But I'm going to go as... Um, as uh, Mike mentioned, Kevin Holland versus Michael Page. Michael Page has been primed for the big scene, for the big lights for such a long time. And this is no disrespect to Bellator, but it just felt like under the UFC, he would thrive more. Uh, the promotion would, would get his name out there even more. The matchups were simply better. And we're finally getting it. A little bit too late. I believe he's around 37, but he has that point fighting system, just like Wonderboy Thompson, that I feel like that kind of style extends a lot of fighters' careers, just like Thompson. And I think this is a great debut. Kevin Holland, um, he's very respected. He's not a, a title contender, but he's also not an easy fight. He's got some solid wins in the UFC. Both of them are very cool, but also weird in their own way. This is going to be a fun buildup. The fight should be fun as well. And this is also a fight that, depending on how it goes, it can tell us whether Michael Page is going to be sort of a fun, money fight, exciting fighter, or who knows, maybe he's got a title run in, in him. I don't know, but I'm fired up for this one. MVP in the UFC is something I've been looking forward to for a long time, and it's finally here, and it's happening in Miami. That's the best news of it all. So uh, I'm excited for this one, guys. It's supposed to happen in Toronto, Danny. I'm pissed you sold out fight for me. Hey, man, uh, 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 one man's uh, fortune is another man's misfortune. So I'll take I'll take that one. Yeah, it was very nice of Kevin Holland's wife and girlfriend to give him the go-ahead, too, to fight uh, Michael Venom Page. And guys... It's a joke, everybody. Uh, guys, did the UFC fumble this signing? Look, remember last year when they were trying to sign um, uh, Kayla Harrison, steak dinners, and all this stuff? And I I'm sure they would have done some sort of a big deal. And Dana just casually just throws it out there like it's just a matchup. He, got, he had to get checked by the media by saying, bro, are you just going to toss that out there without saying something? I mean, this guy has been devastating. He's got at least two or three devastating wins, but one of the most ever – when he threw that knee at uh, Evangelista Cyborg Santos's forehead and indented it, like you would think they would have just put a little bit more oomph into the announcement, right? Yeah, or wrong? I mean, what do you expect of Dana White, though, George? You've been covering this long enough. I mean, the better move would have been to like put out a, a sick video package or something, but they don't have any of the rights to any of his footage. So, like, I don't know mm -hmm. if you're supposed to create some sizzle reel. You could do a promo or something, but you know, yeah. Dana's not going to come to the desk and start banging and be like, Michael Page, the man with the most knockouts in Bellator history, all this stuff. Like, that's just not who he is at this stage of his career. He's just going to throw it out there and be like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're excited for it. And Maybe he doesn't know exactly what to expect and wants to temper expectations a little bit going into this. He's not getting you know a pay-per-view co-main event like Michael Chandler did for his debut. So I think that goes to show kind of what they might think of him too. All right. Do you guys feel the same? Goes and Danny? I thought they could have at least announced it on the pay-per-view, but I don't know. You know, it, it's a big signing, but at the same time, he spends so much time kind of crapping on Bellator fighters that I kind of get why he did that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to seen uh, like a video package or something. You know, we got a, a couple of weeks of non-UFC, so I think it would have been a perfect time to to make the news even bigger and not have it be tied up to all these stories from UFC 296. But again, like Mike said, Dana's Dana. That's what kind of he does. He plays down a lot of things. Remember, the brand UFC is always above the fighters. Um, so in this case, that's that's kind of what Way he did. Hey, this is what we do. UFC. Way man. above. Yeah, for sure. You walk out UFC, 
who that who just walked by oh that's his name okay uh yeah i've never liked those kids for that matter all right ufc 300 it's got a date and a location it's going to take place april 13th in las vegas so now that the ufc 2023 schedule is complete and the 2024 pay-per-views are set until ufc 299 what are the fights that are going to make this card insane as dana white teased Mike, what do you think, man? Out of the box, or you you coming strong with some names here? Uh, I mean, I don't have like a, a full card lineup. I do think it's going to be Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler, just because I don't really know what else fits. I mean, look at these champions. Who's available? Who's booked? Uh, Dana said at the press conference that they were waiting for some results, presumably from this card, before they move forward to things. Which I guess maybe thinks leaves you thinking Leon Edwards could be in the running for some sort of fight, but I don't know who, you know, I guess like you're not going to have him and Bilal headline that card. They could maybe be a co-main event uh, under Connor, but I don't think there's going to be any shocking surprises like, you know, a Brock Lesnar or a Ronda Rousey return. I think it's just going to be solid matchups, ranked fighters. And when he says, you know, you look at that and be like, that first prelim is insane. I don't think it's you're going to be thinking that because it's like a fight that would normally headline a pay-per-view or a fight night. It's just going to be like, oh, look, the number ninth ranked flyweight is fighting the number 13th ranked flyweight. We would never see that on the opening fight of a normal card. And that's kind of more the vein it's going to be. So I don't have any crazy ideas for you. Again, looking at the availability, like who can they even put in there? Islam Akachev, who's one of the few champions unbooked, He's going to be in the middle of Ramadan, so he's not fighting on that card. Alex Pereira is available. He would be someone that could make sense, but against who really? A lot of the contenders are booked up. Jamal Hill's not going to be healthy by then. Uh, maybe you get Izzy to come back uh, ahead of schedule and do that fight between them for the 205 title. That is something that could definitely sell as like a marquee UFC 300 fight. But yeah, I don't think, I think it's just going to be good, solid matchmaking. A lot of ranked fighters, but a lot of ranked fighters that are probably in like the 7 to 15 range in their weight class as opposed to, you know, 13 fights that would typically be fight night or pay-per-view main events. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you, Danny? You got some wild ones for us? I think it's going to be Conor McGregor. I hope it is because, again, when he joined the promotion, that was 2013 or something like that. UFC 100 right behind me was 2009. We, we're expecting him for him to headline UFC 200 against Nate Diaz, but there was some contract issues and stuff, and that fight didn't go down. If it's not 300, it's never because there's no way in hell he's going to make it by UFC 400. So it's got to be Conor, right? Conor's got to headline this thing. It's the biggest name in the sport the biggest event you know every 100 events we see this so he I hopefully he, he headlines uh ufc 300 it's probably going to be against michael chandler as all signs indicate but uh selfishly and and, and not to throw any any shit here at michael chandler I, I love his fighting style i think a fight with connor is great too but i would love to see that nate diaz trilogy come to an end trilogy 300 you see it just makes sense uh he's a free agent he's a possibility I don't know what's kind of holding him from uh, signing with the UFC. Maybe it's probably because he still wants to pursue a few things in boxing. But maybe they can just sign him for one fight. I don't think that'll hurt. I don't know. I would love to see that trilogy on, on that fight. And I actually think it's a better suited fight for Conor McGregor at this stage than Chandler. I like Chandler's odds in, in that fight. Um, I also think Alexa Grasso versus um, versus Valentina Those two fights have been phenomenal. Two of the best uh, female fights we've seen in 2023. And I would say in... The flightweight history, probably some of the best, at least at the title level. 
Um, I know that both fighters had suffered uh, hand injuries. Um, Mexico event in February is already filled up with Jaid and Brandon headlining. So I don't think they're going to put Alexa no, in there. Um, what I heard from Alexa is that her recovery is coming a little bit slower, but by March, April, she should be okay. So I think uh, that title fight at UFC 300 will be amazing. Fantastic fight. Um, so yeah, uh, l l let's see what happens, but I'm curious to see what, what Dana uh, puts together here for 300. Goes? I think Alexa had a setback, right? Injuring her back, carrying all them World MMA awards. She was on fire. Um, I think it's got to be something outside the box. I don't know main event wise, but I don't know why I have a feeling Nate Diaz somehow is going to get involved. That's Dustin Poirier, someone like that. I could see something, but you know, really, when you look at the landscape of of the roster, I don't know what exactly they're going to do. That's why I feel like it has to be something coming out of right field, something that's going to catch us by surprise. Uh, but Conor McGregor and Chandler would be pretty insane. Uh, the Nate Diaz and, and, and Michael Chandler, though, Danny, I'm over it at this point, man. Like, I want to see it. It's I not, they're see not it. the same fighters. You know, awesome. you know what? It was awesome. I want him. As much as I hate it, make them slap each other. Do slap fight. Let's get this shit over. That's how I feel, dude. I'm over this fight, man. They're not the same. They're not the same fighters. All right. Well, I guess Conor McGregor fighting period would be deemed as a surprise. So there you go. True. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you said Brandon's book. So him versus Figueredo set Brandon Reno versus Figueredo seven. That's out. You guys don't think Rousey will come back. So Rousey versus Tate three. That's too crazy. I mean, it'd be too fine, crazy. but yeah, I don't Not think we'll understand it. How about this one, guys? Here comes the left field. Two of them. Covington versus Poirier. Dustin ain't doing that. No, no. I mean, there was a time where maybe a Colby Covington fight had some upside for him. Uh, if he had won this and called him out or something, maybe he does that. But uh, yeah, I don't think Dustin Poirier has any intention or desire to fight Colby Covington or to fight at welterweight right now. I'd like to see Poirier at UFC 300. You talk about, yeah. you know, guaranteed yeah. action. Uh, Nate Diaz would be great. Yeah, that's the other one. Huh? Poirier against Diaz then. If Chandler's fighting yeah. Conor McGregor, then Poirier versus Diaz I think would be outstanding. That, that's Nate Diaz's second best option if he does come back to the UFC um, and he doesn't fight Connor. It's got to be him and Connor, yeah. him and Dustin. And don't forget about Miller versus Ferguson. You heard it here first. Um, give Guido Lazan or something. Guys, thank you so much. You guys did an outstanding job. Thank you to everybody that tuned in. We're at the end here, so I can't blast through the comments. So I went through a lot at the very beginning and through the middle. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And don't forget we do this every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for an hour, discussing the latest topics in mixed martial arts. Uh, keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout you know, the holidays. It doesn't take a break. We will take a break next week. It's Christmas, so happy holidays and Merry Christmas. But keep it locked on MMA Junkie. We're going to keep covering all this outstanding uh, stuff that we look have to look forward to in 2024. Uh, with that, we're out of here. Go out and be a champion. Talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.